Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Encouraging and equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset to inspire, to influence, and to impact your culture where you are every single day. And now for today's episode. Good morning, everybody from the KLE world. Great to be with you again. This is Sean and Steve on our Friday conversation. Welcome, Steve, to another discussion. We are already firing up and getting all excited about our... Uh, That's <laughs> right. We've already been firing on all cylinders, so- well, trying to fire on all cylinders, but... Uh... <laughs> We we got six, but well, eight. Now we got eight cylinders. We're firing on six. <laughs> no, That's, I'm right. That's right. I think so. Um, you know, one morning, one morning when I lived in Cape Town many, many, many years ago, uh, Michelle and I were sleeping. We didn't we didn't have any kids at that point in time. And I hear this pop 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 pop. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And it started like early in the morning. Woke us up, and there was this. Uh, like uh, a straight, straight road that ran just other side of our complex. And it ran all the way from, you know, from Tableview all the way up to Mount Boss, which is like, they call it the West Coast Road. And it's just like this long, straight stretch, you know. And this thing was pop, pop, popping. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And I'm out the door and I'm looking. It's like four o'clock in the morning. And at five o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to figure out what is going on. Anyway, it turns out that they had a, a V12 Porsche uh, adapted, you know, and they were trying to break the land speed record, but it was too cold. So, so the 12 cylinders weren't firing properly. And, uh, and so they couldn't get it like aligned to fire properly. So they could, they could run, they ran, but they didn't get the, the speed because something, so they were now firing this thing and trying to tune it at the same time at four or five o'clock in the morning. I wasn't impressed, but it was interesting just talking about all cylinders. Anyway, and you no know, relevance well, to the discussion. <laughs> what's strange is on that too, it just reminded me of, of uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Yeah. And we've always been, uh, it was always crammed on. I thought that, you know, you're supposed to be there on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and every time the doors are open, you know, to be able to be a part of whatever it is that's going on. Yeah. Uh, have you ever bought a bicycle, uh, from, from Walmart or someplace like that, or a toy for your grandchild? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You come home, you bring it home, this box and you set it in the middle of the living room and say, look, honey, I've got a, I've got a toy for you, or I've got a bicycle. Let's just use, use the bicycle. I've got a bicycle. And all the family gathers around, looks at this bicycle and they say, wow, that's a really nice bicycle. And it sits there for a week and a half, two weeks. And finally, you take it out of the box and you assemble it, putting each part to where it belongs right. so that it begins to function and move. Right. And then it becomes a bicycle. And the same thing happens with the church or the assembly. It's not just a matter of gathering together. It's a matter of fitting each bone to each his bone where it fits so it can function properly just like those 12 cylinders if it doesn't fire on all those things properly or in sequence like it's supposed to it's not going to run and the same thing in the body that god sets the members in the body as it has pleased him even in uh, ezekiel when it says that uh uh the the bones are all complaining it says why are we cut off from all of our parts and he says i will cause you to come together again each bone to each his bone. He didn't say just, I'm going to put you all in the same casket and shake you around every weekend, you know, or every Sunday morning at nine o'clock or whatever time, you know, just bring them all together and shake them around. seated in an orderly fashion. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So you become assembled, you fit together with those other things. And that's why it says compacted together by that which every joint supplieth, then knitted together, increaseth with the increase of God. Right. It's not a matter of you just decided to gather together. You're, you're fitly compacted together. You yeah. begin to be knitted together. And then having nourishment, it says in another place, ministers. Yeah. So if you don't have 
that. You don't have that knitting together. If you don't have the, the bones fitting together, because a bone in and of itself does not grow. It only grows toward the joint right. naturally, even in this body. Yeah. So if it's cut off, it doesn't have that growing ability or that tendency to get any marrow or life going. And consequently, it just dies within itself. So you must be fitted, fittingly joined together with, with another bone. Right. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Right. And that's why, so, that's why um, um, the church is ecclesia. Ecclesia is not a meeting. It's a culture. It's a community. Right. It's a, it's a gathering of people of like-mindedness. And uh, Paul talks about that, I think, in uh, Philippians chapter 1 or 2. He talks about that. I, he says, I would, that you all be of the same mind. And, and, uh, and it's like-mindedness within the context of our community. So we think alike, we behave alike, we speak alike, we dress alike, we, we keep to the same principles um, as, a as a community that forms it. So we have norms, beliefs truths, um, principles, values that we all embrace. And, and that makes up our culture as a community. It's not a meeting. God never had no. meetings with Adam and Eve. He didn't even call no. a prayer meeting with them. He didn't even call a worship service with them. He just, he just fellowshiped with them. And he said, this is Eden. This is your place of responsibility. And uh, we... You know, anyway, yeah. So we 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 need to f help people uh, because one Corinthians twelve, I think it's twelve. It talks about um, that God has appointed or or set, placed, ordained each right. member in the body as as you as it is pleased them. Yeah. Zim. So it's like, are you finding in your culture, in your community, of believers, are you? finding your place are you finding what he has set you to do that's what equipping is about <laughs> right that's what equipping is about to get where you fit yes because that's where you've got grace that's where you've got contentment that's where you've got what you need to function at a at a high level of of grace yeah. you know if well, I, even when they talk about rebuilding the temple or the tabernacle or whatever, it says for hewn stones jointly fit together. Yes. And they didn't need any mortar. They didn't need anything that was, that was uh, superfluous to the actual stone itself. Right. They were so knitted or so form-fitted that they just fit together with these other bone or the other stones. Right where they're supposed to be. And, and here we are, lively stones. And if we don't realize that we're fit together for a reason and for a purpose, I mean, it's one of those things where you just go, wow, Lord, you know, I'm, I've been set together with these other people. And there's, like you've said before, you know, uh, the relationship is non-negotiable. Yeah. You know, we're, we're set together as lively stones or as bones or whatever else you want to say. And because of that reason, God, it has pleased God to do that. Yeah. Now, what am I going to do with that? Right. You know, am I going to give myself to that, or am I going to still keep keep up a wall and a barrier? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. You know, and that's we we were talking earlier about the franchising. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> like we, you know, is I don't know why, but and I, I think it may be a cultural thing to to the United States because I don't find it in many other places. It's the model that's being transferred from here. Is that we love to franchise things. We love to make something a hierarchy with with a president at the top um, of an organization, and then we franchise other people who all right. have to cough up and make sure that the top guy has got lots. And uh, but there's no empowering on a you know why have one guy preaching to 10 campuses when you could have 10 leaders developing within right. in the context of an eldership of the, you know, the, within that context of that cultural or community, one guy that that's like a leading elder, if you may, within the context of an eldership, but in being empowered to lead, you know, is that instead of being always the lackey to, to a, a CEO kind of franchise situation, 
Now, I know I'm touching some holy cows on that one, but it's just, to me, is I, I always think about that. I always think about, you know, why, why aren't we empowering others to be able to, you know, take the pro, be proactive, take the initiative, you know, flow in their gifting and abilities and, and set up eldership. I mean, if we come back to the model of, of what we, what, what the church is about, um, it should be eldership, not one guy um, with closed circuit television to, you know, 15 other places who all have to adhere to his one message, you know, it's just like, uh, right. I just, uh, you know, anyway, that's. Do you suppose it's because we have a tendency as a people to still say, <coughs> pardon me, turn your head and cough, to still say, <laughs> God, give us a king like, like all other nations. Do you suppose we still have a tendency to seek out that, that highfalutin, high caliber personality, the eloquent orator or yeah. whatever, and try to, Rather than seeking the presence of God in a, a group or a family of believers, we'd have a tendency to seek out this uh, performance once again. And this one guy who's able to give us this performance, a king, God give us a king like all other nations. Yeah, and the, and the thing about it is, you know, what I've noticed is like the top, top, and listen, great people, gifted people, but what I'm thinking, oh, yeah. you know, it's just like, you know, sincere people, wise people, but I'm just going within the context of the model of the church, the blueprint that that I see being laid through the book of Acts. Acts 20 t tells us that Paul called for the elders, not for the pastors. Right. He didn't call for the one dude in charge of 15 other franchise churches. And I, I'm using that word and I'm not being, maybe I'm being a bit facetious, but I'm not trying to be derogatory in a sense, because I mean, they're doing a great work. People are getting saved and all the rest of it. But I, just within the context of legacy, passing it on, and you find the one person does everything. I mean, well, not everything, but he's the, the influence center of everything. And there's no coming up kind of situation. And somewhere along the line, that whole thing begins to shake. But yes, I, I think it's because we love to put people on pedestals. We feel like they and now we come to the topic we we uh, because we feel like Aaron is the dude, you know. And right. if if you know if we don't find Moses, Aaron, you got to do something. You're the spiritual one here, so you know, make us a golden calf, make it look good, make us show us something that we can believe in, you know. And uh, because Moses is not around now, you know, and right. and that's what we basically do. We set up that ironic thing all the time so um in light of that uh okay you cannot, you cannot minimize all right so um comes the segue huh <laughs> yeah, that was uh, i was looking for how do i get into that but here we go so he says this um in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 to 14, in the Message Bible, it says, If the priesthood of Levi and Aaron, which provided the framework for giving of the law, could really make people perfect, there wouldn't have been need for a new priesthood like that of Melchizedek. And of course, Steve, you're like the specialist on, on the Melchizedek priesthood. I don't know about that. Well, you know, I mean, you, you've got a real good handle insight on it, and you're always bringing it up, and I love it. And it says, but since it didn't get the job done, so since the the ironic, uh, the priesthood of Levi and Aaron didn't get the job done, there was a change of priesthood, which brought with it a radical new kind of law. There's no way of understanding this in terms of the old Levitical priesthood. So you can't get it if you still got a mindset of Levitical priesthood, which is why there's nothing in Jesus's family tree connecting him with that priestly line so steve um take us to um to the two different kinds of priesthood and why it matters take us to your leader yeah the funny thing about that statement um you know it says it required a new priesthood the melchizedek priesthood actually predated the Aaronic priesthood. Yes. There was no Levitical priesthood till, you know, after, till way what? after Abraham. Yeah. yeah. So here you have Abraham, 
returning from the war with the kings, he ends up slaughtering uh, a bunch of kingdom stuff. Yeah. Now all the kings that, that he had actually once inquired about going and helping him with this, now all are camped around him. And they're all looking to get a part of spoils that he had torn down these kingdoms. Hmm. And, and by the way, he, was, he went to war with trained servants from his born in his own household. There were no outsiders. Trained servants born into his own household. And so you look at that model, you look at what happened as far as Melchizedek then came. He was a priest without, I mean, he was a person without lineage. He had no father or mother. He wasn't looking for this. Um, sorry about that. I got my call coming in. Oh, good. Breakfast meat. Says potential spam. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> I like spam. <laughs> uh, here comes this guy in and and he he is the prince of peace. He is the princess. He is the king of king of righteousness he and he comes from afar doesn't mean he's a fireman he just comes from a far not a far far as they say down here um and he shows up for no other reason but to bless abraham abraham then brings out communion he's gonna have communion with the dude so uh melchizedek blesses him and abraham then gives him a tenth part or the tithe of all that he has from that then comes law and all the whatever when the Levitical priesthood was instated, they actually then begin to use that tithe or that principle and then not just have one, but they had three and a half tithes that they actually end up having to give every, you know, every time that they got something. So the whole thing actually started with Melchizedek, but now it's interesting that now we're ending with Melchizedek. He was the beginning and the end he was the alpha and the omega i begin this good work i showed you what it was supposed to be like now at the end of this thing we took a whole bunch of stuff in the middle in there but now i'm going to show you how this thing is to end up and like you said we've been we've been in the process of trying to franchise things everybody bring your ties uh send your stuff into our organization or our uh our church or our whatever rather than finding out who Melchizedek is sending, what is that priesthood? What, who is sent into my life right now to give me Christ? And he brings me Christ. If that's the case, then I will naturally open up my heart and give, just like Paul said. He said, I, I'm not here on the account that I want anything that you've got, but so that it may abound toward your account so that you realize that God sent me here for this purpose. Go ahead and give out of your natural whatever, because if I give unto you spirituals, I should expect of your carnals. It's not something that's just a, you know, it's not a law. It's just something that should come out of your heart anyway. And uh, he said, I, I, I work with my own hands so that I have for myself and all the guys with me, but so that it may abound toward your account, you know, go ahead and give. And I'm just going, you know, this is, this is a whole different, we're so, and this is what you and I had touched on before we even turned all this on today is the fact that um, it's, it, we keep falling back into the same order of franchising or trying to get people to give to our ministry or whatever it is, because really we've never made transition back from the, from the uh, Aaronic priesthood back into uh, the Melchizedek priesthood. We do not understand the order of Melchizedek. We don't understand that Sean is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We don't realize that Steve is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm only sent to bless you, to make sure that you grow, to make sure you come into the fullness and stature of Christ, Melchizedek himself. 
And that's the whole reason we're here. It's not because we want to get out here and try to make money a different way or try to do something. Now we're going to make this our living and we're struggling and you know all this other sort of stuff. Oh God, thou knowest I need a pair of shoes size 10 and a half or 11. And you know, I need them in black that I could continue my ministry, you know, and you're praying that out in front of a whole congregation. And then all of a sudden they begin to give because they feel sorry for you. That isn't the way this works. You know, Levitical priesthood has been a priesthood where you bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, quote unquote, you put it into this big pot. And then the priests threw in their flesh hooks and they grabbed out their portion, which was the first portion, so they could eat but then all the rest of it went to keep the lights on in the temple and everything else that was going on. So if you look at that, what is our whole system based on still? Is it still based on the Levitical priest? We bring it all into one big pot, throw in the flesh hooks, pastor gets a salary. Uh, we use the rest to keep everything else going. Or is it actually based on a Melchizedek priesthood system where if this person is actually giving into my life, I will give to him or to Melchizedek or to her or whatever it is, whoever Melchizedek sent, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing that so that it may abound toward my account. Right. And it's a whole different, like we keep talking about, this is, this is one of those paradigm shifts. This is one of those mind, uh, we have to have a change of mind in this area, a change of heart. Yes. Because there is a change of priesthood and since there has been a change of priesthood it necessitates a change of law but we've not been doing that we still keep preaching the same old law of the tithe yeah and everybody gets confused by it and i keep i keep get i get messages all the time on what do i do with the tithe you know i feel bad i'm not going to that church anymore what do i do with you know we just haven't been Honestly, we haven't even looked into this order of Melchizedek that we're actually a part of. We don't know what it is. Yeah, and and it necessitates there is a new law. So right, that's what I love about the Message Bible. It says you cannot understand this this Melchizedek order of priesthood if you are in the Levitical right and the Levitical law. Ironic. Not yeah, if you're still thinking that way, because you're, you're still, still thinking that way, interpreting everything through that filter of right. law, legalism, requirements, etc., curses, um, and and you are not you're not able then to interpret or yeah interpret it through through the order of Melchizedek, right? Because everything everything after Christ is order of Melchizedek. Yeah. We're not supposed to be doing anything according to the Levitical that's law it. anymore. And you see, that's, that's, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the things that you probably, you and I have, I mean, this is what our struggle is for, for, you know, years already is the simple fact is that when you're talking about the Levitical Aaronic priesthood, you're talking about those that were separated from, Every, the whole congregation, they were the spiritual ones. They were the only ones that could enter um, right. The, right. the holy place. And only the, the only Aaron could enter the holy of holies. And, and so there's always the separation. But right. now we are a kingdom of priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we're now not, not there's not the separation anymore being divided by a tribe of those that are more spiritual than others. Every single one of us, 1 John chapter 2 says, you all have the anointing and that anointing teaches you. Right, so, right. You know, it's like that when I, I began to, I mean, we always used to talk about, you know, that's a real anointed man of God, you know. And I, so when people say to me, they send me a message, are you a man of God? I go, what does that mean? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know what they're referring to, but I'm asking to question their paradigm. It's like, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm more spiritual than you or that I'm supposed to be? Uh, you know, in elevated to a, a higher place than everybody else or that are more superior because that's not the truth. We all go to the toilet the same. We all eat the same. We all sleep the same. And we all have to seek God the same there's, because there's no access to anybody more than anybody else. Just some people 
have dedicated and committed themselves to to walking a deeper walk with with God. So we offer by the blood of Jesus, we've been made nigh. How much nigher are you than me? Exactly, exactly. So you know, we we respect like when there's when somebody has been appointed into eldership is because they've proven themselves. That's what right. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, that they've proven themselves, that elders and deacons prove themselves in, in their character, and therefore they now are, they have this mandate upon their life that they can step, they are appointed and ordained into that place. Um, but that doesn't make them more more spiritual than anybody else. It's because of their experience, because of their journey, and because you know that is now the role they have to fulfill in the body of Christ. Right. You know, right. when we understand that we're all flesh and blood, we're all priests, we're all kings, we all have dominion and rulership within the kingdom of God, not over each other, but within the the realms that God sets us in. Then it changes this whole mentality. We still interpret, like you're saying, is we interpret everything, including tithing, giving. You know, it's just a what I don't know. Over the years, Steve, I've just, ministry just basic the basis of ministry. We we interpret it through a Levitical priesthood yes, mentality. Yeah, as opposed to Melchizedek, where I'm sent here with one reason and one reason only so that I may impart unto you some blessing or some spiritual gift, like Paul said. Yeah. He said, I'm coming here for no other reason but to give you something. Right. I'm not expecting anything in return. I don't want, I don't, I, I, my God shall supply all my need. I'm not here to get all this stuff from you, but I'm here to give you something. Can you imagine if we actually did do what Ephesians says, that we're here to equip you till you come to the fullness and stature of Melchizedek, the Messiah, the anointed one or Christ. Right. What happens if my whole mentality is that rather than my ministry? Right. So that's the thing that brought me back to that other thing that I, I said the other day. What if when we say, um, thou shalt not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain, vain means for your own vanity means your own self purpose. Vanity means I'm thinking of myself and what how it benefits me. To be vain means all I think about is myself and my self-worth and who what's it affecting. So if I'm using the name of the Lord God in vain, what if it's not just cussing? What if it's using it for my own purpose, for my own advantage, for my own gain? What if I'm using the gifts and the talents and whatever else I've been given because I want to manipulate everybody out there to where we I we all come to support what I'm doing. Right. Now it's a whole different ball. That's that has become then that Levitical type thing where I am the chief priest, I am the high priest, and you must put bells now around my around my skirt, you know, around the bottom of my skirt because I'm going in the holy holies. And if and if I stop tinkling in there, you better haul me out with that rope. Well, that didn't sound good, does it? So anyway, um, you know, I hate to think that we're tinkling in the holy place, but anyway. <laughs> but here we have this picture of these guys going in there, you know, and they're so scared to go. But here, here, if we can train each other, if we can say, look, this is who you are. You're you're a son of the living God. You're a priest after the order. You have every right and privilege because of what Christ did for you to enter into that throne room boldly, you and yourself. You don't need me to hear for, for God, from God for you. You don't need that. You have complete access to him. Yeah. And you could imagine the empowerment that that gives to somebody as a priest, yeah. as a king now to go and take dominion. But as that shift to priesthood, as opposed to, well, really, I'm the only one that can tinkle. You know, I'm the only one that has the bells. I'm the only one that has all the whistles. I'm the one, I'm the one, you know, come worship while I sing. You know, I mean, it's that whole, 
it's that whole thing that we've always had of the high priest, the associate priest, <laughs> the board, the secretary, and then the congregation, you know, and, and I am set apart. And now I begin to think of myself even better than, so now I have to dress differently. I've got to wear a robe. I got to wear a collar that looks different than anybody else. Cause I have to somehow set myself apart and you have to know that. Yeah. As opposed to saying you, you are the one that God sent me to because I'm here to tell you who you are. Right. And you see, that's a good leader. Then a good leader, when, when he's, he he lives when he's present. He makes his presence known in the sense that he has an impartation and impact upon people. That when he's absent, lasts not because of his personality, but because of his empowering others to do what's necessary, so that they can. Jesus was that. Jesus could right. be there, be present, but leave three years. Most. Most guys are holding. I saw one guy sitting on YouTube, and it's a guy that I, I mean, I used to listen to a lot when I was, you know, a lot younger, and and uh, and listen to cassette tapes on him teaching and watch some videos and powerful, powerful. But yes, the guy is eighty-five. He's got his old. He can't even have the light shining in his eyes. He's got and he's sitting at the table like this and he's talking in the mic like this, you know. <laughs> and I'm, and yes, all these young guys and yes, you know, wonderful, great wisdom. But step aside, pass the baton on, give it to five others that you've invested in. Why aren't there five others that have the investment in them or twelve? Why aren't they? Why, why is it all about you? You have to do all the teaching. You have to do all the leadership training. You have to do, uh, you know, everything. Is it, I honestly, in the Melchizedek priesthood, I believe the old guys need to step out the way and let the young guys go to war. Is you too old to war? For goodness sake, when the old men start trying to fight on the front lines, we're losing the battle. Because you don't even, your, your, your spiritual peripheral vision is, is sucking. You know, it's just, you can't, you can't even see when the stuff comes anymore. And just from your experience and stuff like that, but you're just not that agile. And, you know, that's what 1 John chapter 2, he says, let the young men, the young men are defeating Satan, have the victory, abiding right, right. in the word of God, overcoming the evil one. The old men are doing what? Know the father. So they like now they bring the heart of the father and, and I'm old men, it's old men and women. It's like moms and dads are bringing the heart of the father continually into the culture, into the community, into the family so that these young guys can get out and go and do battle. Let them run for goodness sakes. You know, it's like, um, but the problem is, is that, and you can see this in the natural. It, you know, what's in the spiritual is in the natural. What's in the natural is in the spiritual. Right, right. So what we've got is we've got this total breakdown of family in our community, in our culture. Total breakdown of family. So what happens is, is that the kids are neglected, uh, you know, just have to get on and, you know, given whatever to keep them busy, just like stay out of my hair. And, and the teenagers are all rebellious because they have no identity to a community. They have no identity to that. It's all in isolations. Moms and dads are, spiritual moms and dads are so, so in battle with each other that they can't, you know, can't help anything else. There's no focus. So we've got this total breakdown of the generations within the context of the natural. So we can't have it within the spiritual. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me ask you something too. <laughs> and this may, this may really slap a holy cow right upside the head. Okay. <laughs> if you have, if you come together, like we're talking about as a holy priesthood, a real nation, uh, just, just you're coming together to see what Christ brings. Why stick the little ones someplace else why not let the younger ones experience it and watch and learn what the presence of god is 
learn how all this works so that when they become young men and women of God, they are able to fight. But right now we have to go through a special training session by the time they reach that age because they absolutely nothing by the time they get, they've never experienced the presence of God. They never have been in the context of that. And uh, we've kind of kept them out, keeping keep nurseries and, and children's churches and everything else. Basement. Yeah. So yeah. what if? But we want them to become tithing committed members when they turn 18. Right, right. This, yeah, all of a sudden, somehow, miraculously. This is religion. This is religion. Right. It, it divides, and it's all about what can we get. So it, I, sp <laughs> I was coaching a pastor the, a, a little while ago, and, and, um, and he was just talking to me about some of the things, dynamics that's going on in the ministry. And, and, and so the, the, the lead pastor doesn't want... They've got a strong youth ministry, and he doesn't want them to carry on with the youth ministry. He says, no, we need to stop that and rather knock on doors around that area so we can get more adult people into our church. And, I, you know, I just I could feel this thing rising up on the inside of me because I've dealt with that before. I met a guy um, in another state a number of years ago, 10, 11 years ago, and he sat with me, and, and he says, um, okay, so I'm a pastor of two churches. I said, wonderful. And he says, uh, what do you do? <laughs> so I said, well, I've come to, you know, I come to encourage the church. He goes, I do that. What else do you do? And I said, well, I, you know, I help leaders to focus on discipleship. And he said, I do that. What else do you do? And he, he kept on doing that, you know, so everything I said, in the end, I just go, you know what? I said, um, I, I don't do anything. <laughs> so he goes, he goes, you know what the, the one thing I have a problem with, and maybe you can help me. I said, okay. He says, we've got two churches full, but we've got nobody under 25. And boy, that's when I felt it, you know. I just like, I leaned forward in the chair and I said, that's your problem. He says, what's my problem? I said, you're so arrogant that you think you've got it so together, but you've lost the generation. You, you've, you're missing the generations that we're supposed to have in the church. What's in the spiritual is in the natural. What's in the natural is in the spiritual. He said, you're not catering to the generations within the community of, your, of the body of Christ. You're not catering to the generations within the context of your ministry either. Right. And I said, you know what? All you've done for an hour is tell me all the stuff that you can do and that I'm worthless, basically. And I said, you know, I don't even, I go to Africa. I stand up in a church and there's, I don't know, a hundred people that are so grateful to God to be there. A 16-year-old, it was a 15-year-old little boy. A 15-year-old little boy came one night when I was finished talking for a week and, and sharing with them on leadership and all the rest of it. Stevie came into the room on his knees and I could stand up, you know, and he was just, he was so grateful. Tears were rolling out his eyes and he gives me a piece of newspaper something wrapped in a piece of newspaper. And he says, I, I, let, I stopped school for this week so I could attend the meetings. And he said, my life has changed. I'm thankful to God for the time wow. that I could be there with you. I'm so grateful. He says, I'm an orphan. I stay with people and, and I'm just grateful for what you taught me today. And I open it up and it was one quacha. One quacha is equal to something like a seventh of one American cent. I think it's something like that. It's, it's very little value. And that's all he had, you know. I, I just, I wept, you know, when, I, when he gave that to me. Two months later, he died of AIDS, you know, laying in the bed, he died. And, and I didn't know that. I only heard about it later. But, but, and I said to this pastor, I said, you know, the thing about it is this guy, they come to the meeting, they go, they don't ask my elevator speech. They don't ask my, my, my position or title, my organization, how much money I have. They don't ask me what I've accomplished in my past. They don't, they don't ask me any of that. You know, what is my marketing budget? Um, how many pastors or sons do I have under me? They don't ask any of that. They say, do you preach from the Bible? <laughs> yes, I do. Right. So um, you, you speak to us from morning till night. Uh, wow. when do we stop um, we can stop we can break for lunch <laughs> that's it <laughs> you know that's it uh, you know you talk all day 
um, in in uh, like a um, hundred degree heat, you know, in, in a zinc roof, but they sit there all day on little wooden benches about this big, this high, all day, listening. And I, I did stuff because I spoke on eldership and and um, and anyway, I'm explaining all this to the pastor, and I said, you know what, I. You are so arrogant. You're losing a generation. They're trying to win the generation. I'd rather be them. Right. God sends me to you. Why is that? <laughs> and, you know, he says, I think I need to go now. I said, yeah, me, I think so too. <laughs> so he left. <laughs> because, that, you know, what you're saying is, is exactly the thing about it is if we begin to understand that every generation has a place and is needed, and needs to be empowered and equipped to do that. If we're, right, not, right. if we're not doing our job at equipping, then we either gonna, everybody's gonna stay slaves or they're going to become slaves who be, have power, which means right. they, they then have dominion, not over circumstances, over people. Power without principle is like one of the most dangerous things you can have. And, and that's so we've either got a disempowered body or we've got a bunch of babies standing, you know, doing stuff and who have no concept of growing up from being, you know, a little one, an apios to being a, a technon who knows how to war because you've got to be trained how to go to war. Right. And, and have you discovered is like, I wish somebody had taught me more about being a mom and, a, you know, be, about being a dad. I didn't have, my dad wasn't, didn't do a very good job of training me to be a dad, you know. So, uh, so you know, where's the old men that train the younger men? Right. Uh, where's the older women that train the younger women? Instead of trying to build ministries and build our franchises and be the answer to everybody's thing, you know, I've got this and I do this and I do that and I'm that and 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 everybody's going, oh, have you heard that guy? Oh, he's so anointed. When I hear that, I know there's a disempowered people. He's right. Not he's not a leader. He's not a leader. You know. Right. Anyway, it can no. I now preach. <laughs> <laughs> Does my passion come through? <laughs> um, That's right. That's right. So we, we well, if we don't have that passion, I'm not talking about working up something. No. I'm talking about I'm talking about speaking from a place of not just zeal, but a place of a heart that you have for that. Why is it we're losing a whole generation? Why is it we're losing a whole Actually, we're losing our generation too because we, our generation, yours and mine, are still stuck in that in that Levitical priesthood. Yeah, and it's it's just sad to me that we've lost, and because of that, we're not training up that next generation to be Melchizedek's to follow Melchizedek. Yeah, huh? what happens then? Yeah, yeah, we lose we lose the church as it's supposed to be the, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Yeah. I, I have a several different groups I'm a part of, and some of them are, are playing apostles and prophets and whatever. And they call each other that, you know, and it's all about titles and empowerment of each other. It, it's not about empowering the saints to do any. And then the other group is all about if you can come back and, and go according to the seasons of God and according to all the rites and the passages and all this sort of stuff, all the, the, all the, um, uh, the times and seasons of God, you know, and the months and the days and the years and the, you know, and this is what this month means so for this is what's going to happen. We're not teaching anybody to be Melchizedek priests. We're, we're going back to Levitical priesthood and say, now, unless you come under our law, you're not going to accomplish anything. That's true. We can't. In your system, we won't be able to. Yeah. But yet, we still label it the kingdom of God. That's it. And the and just like that guy experienced in these two churches, the the generation that can go to war, that can do things, make things happen, they're not interested. They're not interested no. in your organization. Uh, I mean, I thank God for for the guys that 
are dynamic uh, because they're the only ones that keep this thing alive. Um, you know, right. it's just like the young, you know, young guys who are strong leaders, organizational leaders, strong personality, strong gifting, and they're able to, you know, keep this thing going and, 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 you know, people are stumbling into, into salvation, getting a glimpse of the kingdom, not coming into it, but getting a glimpse of it. And, and at least they, they're having that experience. And, and so it keeps the, the conscientiousness, if I can use that word, you know, the, the, the front of mind fact that Christianity is still around kind of thing, you know, is that's right. That the church is still relevant, but, but there's so much more. We, we missing, we missing that multi-generational thing that was built in, you know, Steve, Jesus came at the right time. He arrived in on the earth in the right place. I mean, he could have become anywhere else, but he came as, as a Jew because that was, you know, God's promise was to that people. And right in the Middle East, right under Roman occupation, right within the context of the Hebrew people were the only ones that were had this multi-generational family situation going. Their community sense of community still is very strong, very strong impartation to the next generation. So kids coming up are taught um, at 13 years old, they get shifted into business. Um, they never call teenagers. They always call pre uh, learning adults kind of thing, or, you know, young adults, they, they learn from young already. So there's this training and it's always like that community. Jesus comes right into that setting and begins to explain that is what the kingdom is like. This is, it's a culture, it's a community, it's multi-generational. And, but we've taken democracy and we all, you know, most of the guys are trying to be the president with their federal, you know, federal system and got all branches of government going and, you know, and I'm the CEO. Uh, it just is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, I don't want to disparage. It's just, I, I thank God that some people are doing stuff, but I just think there's so much more, so much we yeah. are missing. In There's a that friend of mine I was talking about last week as far as the, um, he used to be an enforcer for the mob. He said something that I don't get. He said, we're supposed to be a family. He said, I had more family in the mob. And he said, it was, it was a true family. I mean, you took care of each other. You made sure that, and even though we had a father, you know, a, a, a throne, that patron is like our heavenly father is supposed to be. Yeah. And the rest of us brothers and sisters are supposed to take care of each other, but yet we don't. Yeah. He says, we'll run off trying to start our own little businesses, trying to start our own little thing, rather than helping each one grow into something, right. you know, or be a part of it until it grows. You know, I, if you start something, you, you bring along other people to apprentice them into it so they can have it someday. Yeah. It's not, it's not so that you can run out and start your own satellite somewhere. Yeah. You know, it was always a part, you're a part of the family business. And he says, I just don't understand how we can't, how this hasn't applied to the body of Christ. He said, it seems like it should be that way. No, it is. It is that way. It's definitely that way. It should be. That's the blueprint. But the thing is, is that as long as we need to empower ourselves um, and right. we're constantly feeling threatened by anybody that's more empowered or gets empowered, you know, we keep everything, you know, and religion yeah. divides. Religion is not committed to relationship. Religion is committed to regulation, not relationship. Right. And so, yeah. you know, it's like whether, whether you like me or not, whether I do it right, or, you know, in your eyes or not, is do we have the maturity, spiritual maturity to say, it's okay. You, you can right. have your perspective but we're going to walk together and we're going to find the kingdom perspective together, you know, right. like, uh, you know, but we, we, again, religion is dogmatic, not doctrine. It's right. It, the dogma is more important than, than the principles of God's. Of right. God's and that brings me back to something we've talked about a long time ago, as far as why did Absalom try to kill David? His father, why? Why was it he was trying to kill David, his father? It's because there was a position to be had. Yeah. He was king. He wanted to be king. 
It was a position to be had. If it was just a relationship of father and son, he wouldn't try to kill him because it was a relationship. But there was a relationship with the king and the and this person who wanted to be king. Mm. It was a position to be had. Yeah. And consequently, that's what we keep producing is positions to be had as opposed to relationship. Right. 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 We can somehow keep developing relationship as opposed to positions to be had. Yeah. We we would get all the fighting and the fussing and the even within the ranks that are uh, in the business realm, we wouldn't have fighting to see who's on my left hand and who's on my in my kingdom. <laughs> now, when we when we change our view, you know, the opposition is not the enemy, <laughs> right? When we stop thinking like in absolutes, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, my denomination is right, yours is wrong. My view is right, yours is wrong. You know. Uh, and then I'm going to, like we, you were telling me about, you know, now you, I'm going to filter your, your absolute to my absolute by going through my ritual, you know. Yeah. And sometimes there are these rituals and sometimes they're not spoken, but you've got to jump the hoop. Right. You've got otherwise to. I, I don't up. accept you. Yeah, you've got to get in the good books, otherwise you're not in, you know. And right. I discovered soon after arriving, you know, I didn't fit into somebody's good books, and and so everybody related to that somebody, you're out, baby, gone. Nobody talks to you. No relationship. None. You know, all of them that spoke relationship, none. Nobody contacts you. Nobody gets in touch with you. Gone, baby. You buried, dead, gone as far as we consume because the absolutes are more important than the principle. And the principle, right. first principle, relationship. Relationship. Community. Moms and dads, young men. And, oh, and yeah. that's going back to that order of Melchizedek. Once again. Back all the way back again. Yes. Yeah. Once again, it was about relationship. I'm coming here for one reason, one reason only. That's to bless you. I don't have a lineage. I'm not coming to you from some lineage. You know, my father was this and this and this. Yeah. I'm not coming to you because I was sent by a lineage or sent by a whatever. I'm coming to you because I've got a relationship and I want to give you something. Yes. And that was the thing. Once again, back again then, that's why uh, uh, Abraham opened up his heart and gave. Yes. Was out of that relationship realizing that it wasn't there was no motive there there was no lineage there was there was no genealogy there was no i'm coming here to be your father he didn't say luke or abraham i am your father you know and all of a sudden now come and join the dark side (laughs) you know it wasn't that whole thing it was it was i'm coming here for one reason one so that you can get the blessing of god yeah and then i'm i'm on my way and I'm just going, golly, that's a, such a different, such a different mentality than what we've, yeah. than what we get into in this, in this type of culture that we've developed. Absolutely. And it's time to return back to the, the culture of Melchizedek, yeah. the priesthood of Melchizedek. There has been a change of priesthood. Yeah. Already has. Yeah. Well, let's catch up with that. Let's do it. Exactly, so, exactly right. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff, powerful stuff. I mean, this is like a revolutionary shift of paradigm of thinking. Then we got to go back to the word, back to the principles of the word and find these things and, and really make it. Don't do what you've always done because others are doing it and hope to get different results. That's why we're constantly crying for revival because we, we're trying to get change without changing. And we hope revival changes everybody else, but we're not going to change our system. We're not going to change our paradigm. We're not going to change our thinking. Jesus said, change your thinking. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. If you want to embrace the the model of Jesus, if you want to embrace the blueprint, the way Jesus does things, if you want to embrace the new priesthood, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your mindset. You've got to change your paradigm. Definitely. Powerful stuff. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Well, revival means to revival means to breathe life into something that's dead. Yeah. Why bring something back from the dead? Let it die. Let's yeah. do whatever it is that. Sorry, your your mic went silent there for a moment. Oh, is that right? Yeah. 
Well, let's go ahead and do what Christ sent us for. Let's not just keep breathing life into something that's dead already. Exactly. You know, don't try to revive something yeah. that's supposed to die. Yeah. Let it die. Yeah. That old priesthood is dead. Let it die. Let's do this. Let's do. Let's do who we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, lost. Lost. <laughs> lost. Yeah, yesterday, last. yesterday on the on the podcast, I was talking about uh, uh, is that you know managers they say do things right. They make sure things are done right. They they manage systems. They manage resources. They manage things. So they make sure things are done right. But the leader. The leader makes sure you're doing the right things. So Stephen Covey talks about how the managers, they organize the chopping down of the jungle. You know, they're all out there in the jungle. And so they've organized the cutters, the sharpeners, the packers, the, the shippers, the, the movers, the shakers, the, the whole, the whole, you know, the whole streamline, man, the whole thing is moving like beautiful. I mean, like a machine. It's just the jungle has been cut down and everything is just moving like a machine. It's just beautiful. It's just awesome to watch. But the leader climbs up the ladder, looks right over the jungle and says, um, hey, guys, you're in the wrong jungle. You know, it's oh. like, and, and, you know, you can be moving streamlined, fast, you know, excellent. Oh, man, just brilliant. And you're in the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong thing in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you're moving. It's like a thoroughbred racehorse who's bred to win races and he's running on a treadmill, you know, just like going nowhere, just going nowhere. And, you know, so let's follow the leader, uh, yeah. the king, and go to the king and say, hey, King Jesus, uh, you set this thing in motion are we in the right jungle here? Because we're packing and nothing's happening, you know, just like nothing's happening. So are we in the right jungle? You know, we got one saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, really? Um, <laughs> how many disciples did you make? Um, anyway, thank you, Steve. Uh, awesome, awesome uh, morning again. I really appreciate that. That was great. Um, Great conversation. I'm I'm like totally stirred up. You get me all fired up. That's all I can say. <laughs> ah, hallelujah! I feel like shouting. If I was I in like the building, the bear. Right now, huh? I like to poke the bear every now and then. <laughs> if I was in the building right now, I'd drop my mic and I would run around the building. That's what I would do. <laughs> okay. I can feel that new priesthood, new law, new way coming on, man. Coming on. I believe there's a bunch of people out there that are getting it, just getting it, getting it. And uh, you get it, man. You just get it. Shift that paradigm, cast off those limiting beliefs and actions and behaviors and start moving in the right direction. We've got a generation to win. Hey, I don't want to see our country being lost to whatever, other forces, you know. Okay. I I think, you know, we can't lose this war, man, to spiritual. We can't lose the spiritual war to other influences of principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, we are the ones, man. We are the ones that have the ability, the capacity, the priesthood to make a difference, to make a difference. And we can do it. We need to just get up off our rusty dusties and stop trying to do things with the old Cow, kill the cow, get a horse, right. you know, for goodness sakes. Anyway, I better stop because I'm getting excited now. Stundara banda kashike You got me prodded now. <laughs> anyway, we love you and appreciate you. Thank you for hanging with us. If you stayed this long in the, into the meeting, I'm sure you can holler and shout and run around your lounge right now. But we appreciate you. Hey, um, catch us also on the podcast, KLE podcast. If you want to do audio and you don't want to watch, you don't have time or you don't, uh, you know, you just don't have time to watch an audio. Uh, you, I mean, a, a video, you can jump on the audio. KLE podcast. We're on Google podcasts and Spotify, Apple, and a whole bunch of others, anchor.fm. And you can listen to the audio there and you can pause it and listen to some more later. That's cool, isn't it? So if you're going 10 minutes to the shop, you can listen 10 minutes down, pause it 10 minutes back, listen, and get yourself into the stuff, man. Get yourself into the stuff. We, we're doing this here, our time to come and share it with you. 
to inspire you, encourage you, and embolden you, empower you to be the priesthood of God for this generation. All right. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you, Steve. Till next time, it's Sean and Steve saying God bless you. Out. <laughs>